It's been a while, but we're back at it, and this time we're delving into two subjects that have been cropping up in and around the world of baseball in recent weeks. First of all, we're going to be starting off on the East Coast with the New York Yankees, who made a surprising signing by bringing in Marcus Stroman on a two-year deal. There's been a lot of controversy around this move, a lot of criticism, but also a lot of praise. I'm going to give my two pence on that one, and then we're going to end the show talking about the baseball Hall of Fame of 2024, who should be in, who shouldn't be in, why they should be in, why they shouldn't be in, and all of that kind of nonsense. So let's not waste any time and let's talk baseball. The Wiz kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while Rock and roll was being born Marijuana we would scorn So down on the corner the national pastime went on trial We're talking baseball Klazuski, Campanella Talking baseball The man and Bobby Feller The scooter, the barber and the nuke They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque Especially with Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening. This is Let's Talk Baseball. I am your host, Tom Scholes, and on today's episode, we're going to keep it simple. We're going to keep it to what we know best. The New York Yankees have signed Marcus Stroman on a two-year deal. A two-year deal worth $37 million, and there's been a lot of noise around this subject. There's been a lot of noise from people who are fans of it there are a lot of people who aren't fans of it i'm not gonna lie my initial thought when i saw this was "Mm, really is this the direction they're going in when you see the initial rumors and then you kind of go okay well give me time to think give me time to really take this in and measure how i feel about this move and I'm not sure. The initial reaction was, I'm not sure. Because you you hear all the things about Marcus Stroman, and you hear all the things that people from the fans of the other clubs he's played for have said. And, you know, he's active on social media. He says what he thinks. He takes things to heart. He's emotional, and he's, you know, he, he's not afraid to call out the fans and respond to fans when they criticise him online. And when you hear that... When you hear that, the alarm bells are going, the red flags are going. You think, mm, does this team really need this? But then I saw people as an alternative. I'm all for an alternative. If you come up with an idea, I'm all for an alternative. But when I saw people, I'm just Googling it up now. There's been a lot of video. The WFAN posted it, posted a video about it. SNY posted a video about it. And the alternative that people were given, not people that, but the alternative that people were giving was Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. The Trevor Bauer that's no longer in the league for good reason. If you're 
if your major gripe about Marcus Stroman is he's going to cause division within the within the clubhouse, that he's going to react badly towards fan criticism, he may not be able to handle the New York media, despite the fact that he kind of already has when he was at the Mets, and that the questions about his conduct and his behaviour are going to be questioned towards his teammates and be an unnecessary distraction going down the season then why the hell would you even think about suggesting Trevor Bauer? All of those things apply to him as well. All of them. You want a question mark over a guy's temperament? Trevor Bauer has a huge question mark over him. An unnecessary distraction, unnecessary questions asked to teammates that have nothing to do with what happened on the field. Ding, ding, ding. Trevor Bauer has that in the bag. The guy's not in the league for a reason. The league did an investigation on Trevor Bauer and decided to suspend him for as many games as they did, and they're not going to do that without good reason. The guy, as a pitcher, has been very good. He's been pitching in Japan, and by all accounts, he's performed very well. But he hasn't pitched in the Major League since 2021. Three years ago. Not to mention all the other off-field things that have happened. That would be distracting, that would be damaging to the reputation of the league, reputation of the team. And people still want him over Marcus Stroman. Why? I don't know. I don't know. There's something weird about it. Look, There are. It's weird to it's weird to explain. It's weird to explain because the things that Trevor Bauer has been accused of, he should never be. In, if they're found true, if they're if he's proven guilty, he should never be allowed to throw another pitch in the league. And if another team wants to take a chance on Trevor Bauer, and another team wants to put their neck above the parapet and go down that direction, by all means, that's up to them. But as a Yankees fan, I don't want that being my team. I don't want that being my team, and I don't want to sit there. If the playoffs, if they reach the playoffs, and Trevor Bauer's a playoff pitcher for the New York Yankees, I don't want to celebrate that. It was bad enough celebrating Domingo Herman, and even then, I don't even think I celebrated. I think I looked at it and went, hmm, okay, shouldn't be on the team. He pitched a perfect game, and my th- first thought was he shouldn't be on the team. I was delighted when he was let go. We need to take things like this seriously. And Marcus Stroman for all the faults he has, for all the issues, that quote-unquote issues that he supposedly has, they're nothing in comparison to what Trevor Bauer would bring to the clubhouse. Yes, the comparison and the debate about them as pitchers and as individual players, that's a different story. That's a conversation for another time. What about temperament? What about the impact on the team? Strowman is your guy. Strowman is 100% your guy. You don't want Trevor Bauer near this team. You don't want Trevor Bauer near a team that's trying to win. Because you don't know what's going to come out of it. You don't know how he's going to react. Yes, I saw his interview on WFAN. It's a a shrug of shoulders thing. Yes, he spoke well. But I don't really care whether he spoke well. To be brutally honest. I think 
there's a, there's a large section of Yankees fans who really want Trevor Bauer back. I don't get it. I really don't understand why. I don't understand it. And then you look at the you look at Strowman. I'm done talking about Trevor Bauer. I couldn't care less about him. He ain't coming back, and I don't want him to come back. And there'll be serious issues if he does. But you look at Strowman. And then when the dust settled and when it was announced that he was joining the New York Yankees, the first thing I thought of was, hang on a minute. Let's take a step back. Let's look at this rationally. Two years, 37 million for a decent pitcher. In the way the market's going, that's a really good deal. He's shown a strong desire to play in New York, especially for the Yankees. By all accounts, he had offers from the Angels, he had offers from the Giants, and he wanted to be a Yankee. Green tick number one. He wants to play for the organisation. It is believed that he signed for less money with the Yankees to be a Yankee. Superb. He has that desire. But when people talk about his temperament, when people talk about his abrasive nature, his fiery nature, isn't that what Yankees fans want? The things he said on social media about the Yankees, I think that's what the Yankees fans have said about the team, their own team, for many years. So when Marcus Stroman says it, it's a problem. When the fans say it, it's not. He says the same thing about the pitching lineup. He may be coming at it from a different place than the Yankee fans are. That's almost certain. He may have been looking at it at the time thinking, this lineup's bad because I'm not in it. The fans were agreeing with him, but in a different way. They agreed that the lineup, the pitching lineup for many years hasn't been good. Marcus Stroman being in that probably wouldn't have changed their opinion on that. Nevertheless, they shared the same sentiment. The reasoning was different, but the sentiment was the same. Yes, there's a high chance that he might tweet during the season. It's going to annoy fans. You guys tweet. I tweet. Everybody tweets during the season. And you know what? He speaks like a fan. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's not good. But he speaks like the same. He speaks the same way that I see a lot of people on social media speak about the team. Yes, he's passionate. Yes, he's fiery. Yes, he shows his emotions on the pitch, on the field, and off the field. So. As long as he produces, that's fine. He is the kind of player that the Yankees fans want their players to be. They want a fiery guy. They want a guy that is not afraid to speak how he wants to speak. This is how Yankees fans speak themselves. They want passion in their lineups. Yes, the exception you know, is somebody like Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was... Passionate, he was fiery, but in a different way. He channeled it in a different way. If social media existed in the 90s and mid-2000s, he wouldn't be going on there at all. He's, his comparison is Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge is fiery. Aaron Judge is competitive, but he does it and he shows it in a different way than Strowman does. At the end of the day, they both, Judge and Strowman and Cole and Soto and Radon, all have the same ambition. They want to win. 
They want to be passionate. They want to be fiery. Sometimes they channel it in the wrong way. Carlos Rodon is a fiery pitcher. He's reacted negatively last season to many, many things. But if he comes back this season, and this is just an example, and this is hypothetical, but if he comes back next season, for the 2024 season, he's on top form, he's pitching like he did in San Francisco that earned him this contract in New York, if he comes back as that Carlos Rodon and he comes back pitching in that way, you're going to see fiery reactions. You're going to see social media posts. You're going to see the fans side with him because he's winning. The problem that people had with Radone last year was because he was fiery. He was doing all the chatterbox emotions with his hands and everything along those lines because he wasn't playing well. If he was doing those and winning, people would praise him for this. The exact same thing would happen with Marcus Stroman. If Marcus Stroman comes in and he's pitching at a fantastic level, pitching at a level that a number three starting pitcher should be pitching at, fantastic. People will get on the board of that because he's performing and delivering the goods whilst also providing a bit of attitude that sometimes this team needs. It's been a lacklustre team in the past couple of years and a bit of fire, a bit of oomph, a bit of grab the game by the scruff of the neck, to use a footballing cliche, is what's needed. They need someone with a bit of cojones to really, you know, be that spark, be that, not troublemaker in the negative sense. In the, not in a, not in a, oh, he's going to cause trouble, he's going to break the clubhouse way, but in a, if he thinks the umpires have done wrong, He's going to call him out on him. He wants to play with Judge. He wants to play with Cole. And the Yankees themselves, whilst they wanted starting pitching and they really wanted starting pitching, they didn't do it and they didn't make this deal without making background checks. Of all the criticisms of the Yankees front office, of all the criticisms of Hal Steinbrenner, of Brian Cashman, they are not going to okay this deal if they haven't done their background checks on the guy and have okayed it. And have seen enough in those reports to make you make them go fine by me. He's thirty three in May. He wants to get his World Series ring. The reports are suggesting that he's matured since his younger years and that he's ready to be a piece in this team. And there's been a lot of comparisons about, oh, well, you know, they don't, every time they sign someone that's a bit negative, it doesn't end up well and all of this kind of stuff. And I get that. They point towards Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson didn't want to be a Yankee in the same way that Marcus Stroman wanted to be a Yankee. I'm sure Josh Donaldson was happy to be a Yankee, but he was traded in. He didn't take less money to be a Yankee in free agency. He was told he was going to be a Yankee. Again, he might have been fine being a Yankee, but it wasn't his mission to be one. Joey Gallo traded in. They were were two players that had issues over time. And it didn't work out because they probably didn't really have the emotional investment to be a Yankee that Marcus Stroman does. 
And I think... I think what this move is, is you look at the you look at the upsides. Marcus Stroman on his own is not going to turn around this team. They're going to need to produce better than they did last year. But if Marcus Stroman is your third option behind Garrett Cole, reigning American League Cy Young winner, and Carlos Rodon, who appears to be in better shape than he did last year, hopefully he's over his back issues from last year, and in theory should perform a lot better than last year. Nesta Cortez Jr. is coming back from injury, and Clark Schmidt is your fifth option. Now, at the time of recording, they haven't signed another pitcher. I highly doubt they will, to be to be perfectly honest, unless the Blake Snell market drastically reduces in terms of his asking price. But if Marcus Stroman is your third choice um, pitcher, I think that's I think that's pretty decent. If he was being signed to be your number two, that's different. You know, a lot of people have said, oh, this is what's happened when you, know, you missed out on Yamamoto, so you're going to go in for Marcus Stroman. What a pivot that is. That's not the case. Plan A was Marcus, was a Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Turns out he wanted to be a Dodger the whole time. He wanted to play with Otani. It is what it is. There's not much the Yankees or the Mets could have done about that. Plan B, by all accounts, was Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery. And the report suggested that they had made an offer towards Blake Snell and their valuations were very far apart. Again, shrug your shoulders. You have your price that you want to go over for this guy? He wants more? That's fine. It is what it is. This is plan C. This isn't plan B. This isn't plan A.1. This is plan C. It's a decent plan C, but it's not the immediate pivot that they wanted to do. They got their guy in Soto. That was number one. They tried and they tried for Yamamoto and they ultimately failed because of reasons. It just happened. Plan B was to go get the secondary best starting pitchers on the market. It hasn't happened at the moment, and the the way that the market is going suggests to me that no one else wants to pay the money for these guys because they are still free agents. You know, We're a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting for the Yankees, and Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery and Josh Hader are still free agents at the time of recording at uh, 1.21pm, Tuesday the 16th of January. These guys are still free agents. If the market was better, they'd have been snapped up immediately. They weren't. People are waiting for them to drop their their prices the same way they are with Cody Bellinger, for example. But Marcus Stroman wants to be a Yankee. Marcus Stroman arrives as the third starting pitcher on a very friendly deal. Fine by me. It's a move that, you know, everyone harps on about this is what George would do. George would have done this. George would say this. This is a move George Steinbrenner would have made. It's a move that nobody saw coming, that people have their reservations about, that many people have tipped to not work. He's the, Strowman's this. Strowman's that. Strowman has an attitude problem. Strowman is going to be bad for the clubhouse. This is the kind of move that George Steinbrenner would have made. He did it. I'm reading a piece from Bob Kaplish, who's saying about Gary Sheffield who 
was signed as a free agent in 2004, and George Brenner was told that he was disruptive, angry, bad for the clubhouse, blah, 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 blah. Sounds familiar. George ignored this. He signed it. He signed Sheffield. He knew he'd fit in. And guess what? He did. He was never a problem for the manager, Joe Torre. He performed very well. It happened with, again, the situations are somewhat different and the context around them are different, but the idea of it is the same in the sense of when George signed Daryl Strawberry, nobody had any idea that it would work the way it did. He wasn't signed to be a star. He was signed to perform a role and he performed that role well. If that's what happens with Strowman, perfect. People are getting themselves in a twist about this. The alternative, Trevor Bauer, is much worse. Both morally and as as pitchers, in my opinion. In in three months, four months, five months' time, this could all look terrible, and Strowman might be a complete flop. But at the face of it right now, before the season has started, I think it's a fine move. I don't think it's the end of the world in any stretch of the imagination. I think it's perfectly fine to be doing this. I think it's a perfectly fine deal to be made. I look forward to seeing him. I look forward to seeing him and Soto in the lineup together, how they react to each other, how he reacts with Judge, how he reacts with Cole, the dynamics of him and the fans. It's going to be exciting. It might work, it might not work. At the end of the day, it's two years, $37 million. It's not like they've invested loads of time and money into this guy. I think people are overreacting about this because they don't like him as opposed to the situation. That's fine, but just remember it might work and it might end up being a really prosperous relationship. Moving on to the second subject, the Baseball Hall of Fame. I've I've loaded up baseballreference.com for this one. And when you go on to the ballot, the Baseball Writers Association ballot for this year, they have a tab that says Bill James Hall of Fame Monitor. This measure attempts to determine how likely a player is to be elected. It is a rough scale with over 100 likely and under 100 less likely. See our leaders and about and see our leaders and about sections for leaders and a complete description. So basically, the higher over 100 you are, the more likely it is you should be in the Hall of Fame. And the lower you are, the less likely it is, all that kind of stuff. Atop of their list is Alex Rodriguez. Second is Manny Ramirez. And then there's a drop-off. But Alex Rodriguez is number one with 390 on the Bill James Hall of Fame monitor. I love Alex Rodriguez. He's one of my favourite players that's ever played the game. Yes, he's corny. Yes, he's cheesy. I don't care. I think he's a great player. I think he was a great player for the Yankees. His statistics say it all. 3,115 hits. 696 home runs. And, you know, he ain't getting him. He should be in. 
He's been a 14-time All-Star. 2009 World Series champion with the New York Yankees. He's won the American League MVP three times. He's a two-time Gold Glove winner, a 10-time Silver Slugger, the American League Hank Aaron Award winner four times, the 1996 Major League Baseball batting champion five times, five times, five times, five times American League home run leader, and he was twice the Major League Baseball RBI leader. The reason why he will never be in the Hall of Fame is steroids and performance-enhancing drugs. The Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, or the Baseball Writers Association Hall of Fame, do not really elect people into their Hall of Fame who have the tainted steroid abuse behind them. I... To me, personally, to me, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me because it happened. Yes, you might look at them differently. Yes, you might think that they don't deserve to be there, and that's absolutely fine. How I would do it, I'd vote for Alex Rodriguez. You look at those stats, of course he's a Hall of Famer. Of course he's a Hall of Famer. The same way Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. The same way Mark McGuire is a Hall of Famer. Sammy Sosa. Roger Clemens. Steroid users. Undoubtedly Hall of Famers. Undoubtedly. Two thousand and one, Barry Bonds hit seventy three home runs, and Roger Clemens won twenty games, and he won the Cy Young Award. Neither of them are in the the world in the Hall of Fame. What I would do is acknowledge that it happened. You can't hide as if it didn't happen, because when people see the records and when people look at the records and go, "Hmm, what? Who?" In, in 20, 30 years' time, there's going to be a kid that's going to look at it and go, who's Barry Bonds? They're going to ask their mum, they're going to ask their dad, they're going to ask their brother, they're going to ask their sister, auntie, uncle, whoever. Who was Barry Bonds? They're going to sit him down and they're going to tell him exactly about the phenomenon that was Barry Bonds. So why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Why is it when you go on MLB The Show and on your road to the show career, and you go to the, the, the awards and the record section, that the most home runs of all time is held by the San Francisco Giants. As for the individual players, they don't have the individual player on there. They don't have his name on there. His likeness isn't there. Who is this guy? Well, he was a, one of the, he was the best home run hitter of all time. He just happened to take drugs and performance-enhancing ones at that. So they've wiped him off the face of the planet. He doesn't work. He doesn't exist. There's the the idea that it's okay because everybody was doing it. Therefore, if everybody's doing it, nobody's being harmed. A bit like what they used to say about the Tour de France when Lance Armstrong was in his prime. Well, it's not the end of the world because everybody was doing it. Everybody did it, so it weren't the end of the world. 
but this was different because not everybody was doing it. A lot of people were doing it. But not everybody, not every, not everybody was doing it, and there was a lot of people that got harmed out of this. I'd put them in the Hall of Fame with an asterisk next to their name, and just understanding. Look, these guys were had incredible careers. They were historic. They're very important to the game. Mike McGuire and Sammy Sosa in '97 and '98 were huge for the sport. Absolutely huge. Can't act like it didn't happen. It did happen, and it was massive. But acknowledge what went on. Accept that they were amazing. Accept that they had incredible careers, and they they achieved incredible feats. Accept that maybe, just maybe, they did something wrong. Put Put the little asterisk next to the name. Yes, Alex Rodriguez has all these home runs, but... He did this. Yes, Barry Bonds is an all-time leader of home runs, but he did this. Roger Clemens, what a pitcher. What a player he was. He won won these awards and he won these World Series. But he did this. I see no problem with that. Everybody acknowledges how good Lance Armstrong was, but he did cheat. Everybody knows how good the 2017 Astros were, but they did cheat. That's why... you will see a lot of people talk about the Astros, and we'll use them as an example. I know I talk about them a lot on here, but we'll use them as the example. A lot of people talk about the Astros and say they should have had the title taken off of them. When I'm not emotional about it, and when I'm not really petty about it, my feeling is don't take it off them, but add the asterisk to it. Because they had to be talented enough to perform the acts they were doing. They had to be good enough players initially to be able to achieve what they did. The cheating helped. The cheating was a was a cheat code, obviously. The same way that Alex Rodriguez had to be a very good player anyway to get to the position he was in. He had to have the hand-eye coordination. He had to have the swing. He had to have all of that laid down to be able to be as good as he was. I could take performance-enhancing drugs and I wouldn't hit that many home runs because I'm not talented in that regard. These players are. These players are very good players. They were very talented. They were historically good. They just had help with it to take them up to another level. And it's the same with the the Astros thing and the steroids. The negatives were all the same thing. There were people that came up against these guys who got rocked with pitches, you know, pitches that had one outing in the major leagues, and because they didn't do very well against these guys, were never seen again, and they cost people jobs. But that is why the asterisk exists, to let people know of what happened. You can put Alex Rodriguez's plaque up there. You can put Barry Bonds's plaque up there. Clemens, Sosa, Maguire... Rafael Palmeiro, Gary Sheffield, Andy Pettit, Manny Ramirez. You can put all of these guys in the hole if you want to, but with an asterisk, knowing, hey, guys, these these players were outstanding, but they did a thing, and it wasn't great. 
At the end of the day, I think these players should be in the hole. They should be in the hole because they're huge. And you can't tell the story of baseball without these guys. And I think that's massively important. And yes, I know there's been people that say there's no place in the hole for people who cheat. And they're held up to the same standards as other players who didn't cheat. And I know them. I just think these guys are too good and too historic not to be involved and not to be in there in some regard. Acknowledge what they did. Acknowledge the cheating. Acknowledge all of that. But just remember how good they were. Looking at the ballot now. You know, Rodriguez should be in. Manny Ramirez should be in. Todd Helton should be in. Adrian Beltre should be in. I'd I'd put would I put Gary Sheffield in? I don't know. Andrew Jones should be in. Carlos Beltran's only on his second year. And I have this thing with the voting that, you know, you're looking at people like Chase Utley, Joe Maurer, David Wright. Right? I'd put Utley in. I think Utley's a fantastic player. But I wouldn't put him in immediately because he's on his first ballot. Maybe next year. Maybe in three years' time. But he's not first ballot good. Adrian Beltre was. Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera. These are all elite level players. They deserve to be first ballot. Chase Utley, no. Alex Rodriguez is on his third. Ramirez on his eighth. Todd Helton, again, should be in sixth ballot. Billy Wagner's on his ninth. He's got another year left, so I won't be surprised if he doesn't go in this year but goes in next year. And this is the, this is the beauty with the Hall of Fame. Everybody gets the same 10 picks. And you can make up your mind of who go who goes in. People might disagree with the writers and who they put in. That's fine. But everybody gets their own chance and everybody gets their own go at it. I'd put Pettit in. I think Andy Pettit was a great picture. But with an asterisk next to his name. The same with Rodriguez. The same with Manny. Same with Gary Sheffield if you're going to put him in. Billy Wagner, maybe next year, I think so. Joe Maurer, maybe next year. David Wright, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm torn on that one. But next year. Next year's a great one. Because this is our generation. When I started getting into this. Year on the ballot starts with Mark Reynolds, Fernando Rodney, Mark Trumbo, Kendris Morales, Jason Vargas, Ian Desmond, Francisco Liriano, Clay Buckholes, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Milky Cabrera, Carlos Gonzalez, Martin Prado, Brian McCann, Adam Jones, Russell Martin, Hanley Ramirez, Curtis Granderson, Ben Zobrist, Troy Tulowitzki, Felix Hernandez, Ian Kinsler, Dustin Pedroia, CC Sabathia, and Ichiro Suzuki. I'm telling you now, that, that's going to be incredible. And there's going to be a lot of people on that list where it's like, oh, he's in, he's in, he's in, he's in, he's in. And then by the end of it, you've realised you've got all your 10 picks done and they're all first ballot guys. It's, it's incredible. It's so fun. I'd, I'd love things like this. 
going to Cooperstown's on the bucket list for me. Anyway, enough about that. We've been rambling for 35, 36 minutes. This has been a returning episode of Let's Talk Baseball. I've really enjoyed this. Really enjoyed delving into the Strowman, the Yankees pitching, the Hall of Fame. Remember, do the usual. Rate the show, subscribe, share it, star it, all of that kind of thing. And seeing as it's been a while, here is the song to play us out for the show. Thank you for listening. Have a good day.
since I said I'm sorry.